I feel like I feel like a monk in this shirt. <laughs> monk or a priest or a or a conductor. Maybe that's why I wore it. I feel like a conductor. Oh, your conductor shirt without the necklace is a conductor shirt. Yeah, there we go. So, 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 who did we interview today? Carrie Lynn Wilson, conductor extraordinaire, super, super talented, amazing musician. All of us singers love to have her in the pit, not only because she's so supportive, but because anything that she asks of you always comes from this intelligent, thoughtful place of intention. She also has a super fun side, super fun to hang out with. And I'm glad we were able to see that in this interview. Here's a clip. You know, so I think forward. Well, um, one word, vaccine. Yes. <laughs> Wait, yes, I go, oh, right. Please. Somebody, I told him I was going, somebody in the medical field, he said, uh, I told him I was going to Salzburg. He said, have you been vaccinated? I said, no, I'm not old enough. And he said, oh. you know, we're putting ourselves at risk. Yeah. It's, things will get back to normal when we can all be vaccinated and freely hug each other oh, and sing God. in front of each other. I know. I, I think that's the easy answer, um, but the hard answer is we're dependent on the financial support of everybody, the governments, if we're in Europe, yeah. supporters, audiences and we have to all push for culture to be at the forefront of what's going forward because we are left so far behind right now as we all know i mean it's a train wreck hello 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 can we can we turn you can we can we, we get are you turning we are going we to are turn. hello ladies hello, hello. You, can you you us? oh yes, yeah here. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> this is 2021 people 2021 <laughs> oh it doesn't feel any better does it no <laughs> seriously like women can rule the world that's all I. you're have. conducting me gary <laughs> We are super women. How's that? Fabulous. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy oh my New gosh. Year. Hoping it's getting happier. Oh. Girls. Um, I, I'm like, sorry. I had to wear this today. Oh, that's, yes. That says to. it all. It I mean, it just, I had to. I know. I know. Look at, we're all in black. And blonde. <laughs> yeah. Black and blonde. So you're in New York. Yes, this is our uh, neighborhood. Nice. So I thought, is that is that background okay? It's certainly not as elaborate as yours. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh no! It okay. So talk to us about, uh -huh. about your December and what what happened. So let's preface this by saying you were in Paris about to open Carmen. If I have the information correct, you had just finished final dress rehearsal. Is that correct? Almost. Almost. Okay. So I went at the end of November, um, France was still in lockdown. So that was surreal in itself. Okay. We were rehearsing with the city shut down. We were all in masks, mm -hmm. including the soloists and chorus singing in masks. Wow. And of course it was my first experience conducting with a mask. 
meeting an orchestra for the first time because it was my debut. So you can imagine communicating with your what normally would be such such an exhilarating feeling, you know, conducting a new orchestra in Carmen in France, and here I was, uh, somewhat. It, it felt surreal in every sense, but especially the fact that I couldn't communicate as like with all of my personality and everything there. There was, I was kind of blocked, but perhaps in a sense, it was, it was more special and the orchestra was more keen and, and paying attention because I think they understood there's an incredible, is an incredible awkward feeling and just the eyes you don't know if they're smiling yeah. or enjoying themselves so <laughs> uh, it, it was really surreal but anyway so we had two full weeks of rehearsals i got to know the cast very well the chorus very well then in the second week we had orchestra rehearsals two alone we had a zitz probe then we had two stage and orchestras what were to be before the general. The first Asian orchestra went, was such an exhilarating feeling. We were all happy to be on stage, it went fabulously. We got through act one and two, then we had an hour break. During the break, the producer knocked on my dressing room door and said, have you heard the news? I said, of course, I understood immediately. I said, what's happening? I thought somebody got COVID. Thank God nobody got COVID. She said, the government is shutting down the theater. We have to stop. So the entire company, we all gathered on stage. Alexander Neve, he made a speech and I said a little speech to the orchestra, to the chorus, to the stagehands, the technicians, everybody in the company it was so emotional. Of course, we're all in masks, but you, you know, there are tons of tears. And it was, it was such a beautiful experience. We had, that worked so hard and, and just enjoyed it. We were all so happy to be back at work. And I yeah. think I can speak behalf of the, on behalf of the orchestra and chorus. So. Anyway, I've been invited back in a couple of seasons. So there was a silver lining. It was a, it was a beautiful collaboration and I'm thrilled that it will continue. I love right. that. Is it gonna be the Carmen? Are they gonna have you back? Oh, we're, we're in discussion. So that's okay. Yeah. okay. I loved, uh, I totally followed <laughs> you on social media, FYI. And I loved your post though, about the score, about going oh. to trying to make some kind of silver lining oh. out of that immense sadness that oh. I'm just feeling. I want to start crying actually with you right now. That's just awful. I could just imagine in this whole, oh. I just can't. Anyway, so <laughs> I love that the silver lining was that you were able to do that before you left, before you were- yes. So the next day, I had a day before I went to travel, and it was either just be devastated or do something great. So I went uh, to the Orchestre, the um, Bibliothèque Nationale, and I had a private showing of the manuscript. Wow. It was, it was exhilarating. And, you know, it's so old. I was turning the pages. <laughs> and, and it was just... Is it, it a lot nice. different? Is it is was that version a lot different than the version that's performed now? Well, that's that's how much time do we have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's it's a fascinating journey. Journey, 
through um, what Ernst Giraud, Ernst Giraud, he had done all sorts of uh, changes in the score uh, into the manuscript. So we're not sure what was Bizet's real intention if these guts, these added prejudices, it's just a whole bunch of information that I think over the century, the, over the decades, we've tried to make sense. And, right. and it's all about what the directors are trying to say, perhaps, in their oh. productions. And so that will determine how much we're taking out, putting in, if it's spoken dialogue, if it's team, if there's no dialogue. I've done all sorts of um, versions. But uh, right. so it's fascinating to have at least everything there to say well maybe he wanted this or maybe he didn't so yeah it's, it's like Hoffman. Source. Hoffman's another opera that that has a lot of different right. versions and blah, blah, blah. that's cool awesome. yes so I'll so, be doing more posts about that because we did a lot of uh, videos and yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, those. that's cool well thank you yeah okay <laughs> so what's coming up now mm -hmm. Salzburg Salzburg Mozartwoche. It's working. It's gonna go. Knock on wood. For streaming. For streaming. Okay. okay. Now it was supposed to be a very big festival. Uh, our friend Rolando Villazon, he's the artistic director. He has had to make immense cuts in terms of the programming mm -hmm. because of cuts in funding. I'm fortunate. My concert was supposed to open the festival, and it indeed will open the streaming. So we are preparing, yes, for this right now. The program is changing. I've got tons of Baron Ryder in front of me all day. I was, uh, <laughs> it's he's changing the program. He's adding soloists. It's going to be a, a very festive gala. But of course the conductor's left scrambling to <laughs> mark all the materials. And anyway, I'm <laughs> very that, excited. I couldn't be more thrilled. Isn't that how things music, are right? I, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Isn't, that, isn't that how things are right now, though? We have to just, you know, be ready to to do this or to do that or just to, yes. to jump into something right now. Absolutely. Everything's so uncertain. The fact he said, could we do this or this or, oh, I've I don't know them. I'll learn them in a week. Fine. Yeah. Just just to learn. You know, there's about four pieces I have to learn, which we know. And next week, thanks, Rolando. But it's okay. Uh, oh, man. I really loved your attitude on social media about the pandemic about instead of kind of following down a hole which a lot of us wanted to do i mean Sandra and i talked about this numerous times even within what we started with screaming divas and wanting instead of putting music out we wanted to have a conversation out there throughout this time um, i really love that you said i'm gonna do this because this is gonna fuel my brain and my soul and my heart at least that's how i took it when i i read about it and my question to you though, is because what you did was you said you wanted to study the ring. And I wanted to know as of 2021, how far did you get? <laughs> oh, I finished it before Paris. Oh, you But did. you know, finished is a whole world of information because what I did was I studied it. Okay. I understood every character, their role, the orchestra, 
harmonies, the melodies, the structure, the plot, that in itself is like takes a year, right? <laughs> See if I can remember it when I have to conduct it. Um, <laughs> but the analysis and just getting it all in my brain and heart. But once it's really in your soul, that can only happen when you're conducting it. Yeah. So it's, it's a virgin, a, uh, it's a virgin step. I'm, I'm beyond the virginity. I understand it. I know it. I'm ready to conduct it. Okay. And until I've conducted it, I still don't know it. Okay. And I can say that like yeah. with Tosca, if you've done it once, you don't know the opera as a conductor. You have to do it 20 times. And I'm sure you both can absolutely relate. The first time you do a role, it's fresh. It's, it may be fantastic and exciting, but you really feel like you've, for example, if you go to your next production and a conductor says, let's do it this way. Mm -hmm. And you, you think, well, last time I, I no, I, I'm not ready to do it that way. That's what happens with me. You both were my Toscas, I think. Uh, yeah. Sandra, you sang Visitarte with me. Yeah. Um, after 10 productions, I start to know what is, what, what range I can ask for in a singer. Like yeah. Carrie, when we were going up to those high seas, I, I have all these memories of both of you. So, so vivid. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it was only two years ago, but I remember everything. Oh, no. you, and we were talking about how long we would do the high scene, the act two climax. Yes. And I was trying to push you. You weren't quite convinced. And I was thinking, well, how much, how far can I go? And you, you were so wonderful. You kept pushing yourself. So that's, that's what I feel. I know an yeah. opera how much I can demand singers. And also singers, I think, you know, the more we do it, the more freedom we get and the more we can play with it. Yeah. Right. I think. That's not... the same with conducting. Okay. Playing with it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love hearing that. <laughs> okay. yeah. And tempos. Let's not forget tempos. Mm. Having done 500 Toscas <laughs> or 500 Don Giovanni's, one gets a better sense of what tempo works, I think. It's true, I, and everybody has a different, I think, you know, somebody once described tempo to me, especially with Mozart, as you have to use and your pulse, your heart rate, as, as a guide for doing the coloratura and finding the tempi for Mozart, because everybody has a different speed for their coloratura, for their, you know, for the heartbeat. And maybe that's my reason for my coloratura being so slow. <laughs> I have a low I heart. I don't think it's slow. I don't, th I don't think that's the right. It's my excuse and I'm going to run with it. Oh, okay. I'm like, girl. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you As talk a master of coloratura, that, that's, that's shocking you say that. But interesting. Interesting well, about your heartbeat. It, it is. It has to be based on feeling. There's no doubt. So what feels right. Yeah. When you just said the tempo, you find the tempo that you love to conduct uh, Tosca in or Don Giovanni. Now, when you have a singer that comes that vocally cannot manage the tempo that you want, then what happens? Do you push for that or do you 
and demand that or do you accommodate the singer and their vocal needs? Compromise. Compromise, compromise, compromise. In fact, I just had this very crucial <laughs> moment in my conducting career. I was making my debut in Paris. Mm -hmm. My lovely Carmen, she and I had a very strong disagreement on a tempo. Oh. And it was for the entire piece of, of, of one piece of the opera. Okay. Uh, chanson. I had this idea of starting very slow. Which I've done in the past, starting very slow to super fast at the end. Um, so it takes off. So that's my, that was my concept. And I've had it in the past. Bardui. I adore her. We are very good friends. She said, Kitty Lynn, I can't do that. I just can't. I don't have the breath control. I can't do that with the staging. She's crawling across uh, Calixto Pieto's car on stage. She just couldn't do it. So I tried a couple of staging rehearsals with her, pushing her, seeing how much, of course, with piano. Right. Staging with piano, never with orchestra. I wouldn't push her. Mm -hmm. So she said, okay, I'll, I'm good to try. We speak in Russian. So she, she tried. She came panting, panicked, saying, I can't do it, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So we got to the zits. I compromised a little. Okay. She came up to me after, she said, I'm so worried. I've lost sleep. I can't do this. I said, okay, okay. I said, that was our try. Tomorrow morning, next zits, we're going to fix it. Okay. I took her tempos. She was thrilled. And I don't think Bizet would have felt that this was anything that he didn't want. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't go against what I would consider are the composer's intentions, I'm all for it. Because okay. a singer has to be comfortable and they have to, bless you, you have to act and sing and to deal with all sorts of things. She's wearing a mask. I mean, that was a whole other thing, you know. Ugh, I can't she's even fantastic. So, do you yeah. think that conductors need to know the function of the voice as it, how it works for us, how it feels in your throat, the technical aspect of it? Um, do you know? Do you think conductors need to know how to sing? Yeah. Do they know how to sing or mm -hmm. understand breath support or all of that? Oh, you absolutely have to understand breath. Number one, breath. Where to place the high notes, diaphragm, all that stuff. But the second they start saying, well, why don't you use this or do that, like a technician, if they're not a singer, I don't think, well, I personally would never do that. I only speak yeah. about the music. Okay. And if if I say, can you have a an airier sound? Can you have more? Dolce. Mm -hmm. I assume that the singer will find that color. And if I if I explain it in not in technical terms of where the voice is, but rather with musical terms, that's mm -hmm. that's I think the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, also because I'm not a singing coach. <laughs> I was never a singing coach, and I never yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, there's yeah. different types of conductors. There's definitely different types of opera conductors. There yes. are the conductors who 
honestly coach you as you're working right. in a musical wow. or in rehearsals and say, you know, Sandra, turn your Carrie, turn your voice like this or do this or do that. But then there's the other people who just are strictly conductors and want the best sound possible, but don't tell you how to create it. And, right. You know, it's it's a, it's a fine line, but in the music business, I find there's so many different jobs that, you know, that kind of hurdle two different jobs. You know, coaches sometimes think right. that they're voice teachers and coaches think they're conductors or, vo you know, it's it's yes. very vague, our business. And yeah, it's, it's true. I think that conductors have to take a step back always. If the singer is saying, I can't find that, I can't. I can't execute what you're trying, then they, we have to find something else. And, and, and the conductor has to understand that. I'm saying this like I'm defending singers, but I think it's so important. Thank you. Because I see Somebody did so often, I see so often conductors just take tempos that are just drastically impossible to sing. Perhaps for one singer it works, but for another it doesn't. And some yeah. conductors are so set. Uh, they're not using their hearts and they're not using the best judgments musically. So. My question is, what do you do with a singer who is just really adamantly being a jerk and saying, I don't want to do your tempi. I know I could probably do it. And you know that they can sing it, but they just don't want to do it. How do you manage through that? Well, it depends how much. If I stick with my tempo, if it's going to be a disaster in performance, then I will get blamed. So I, I would have to compromise mm -hmm. uh, in, in too much. I would have to overcompromise. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, Sandra and I have <laughs> been on stage with singers that have just decided I'm going to do my own tempo. Yes. What's happening in the pit? And I've always wondered what's going on in your mind. Because I know what's happening, oh. but, and I can feel it, but and see it, and see it. But I'm just wondering what's going on with what you're. Oh, it, it's like having your gut, is, because you're having to do something you're so against doing musically. It especially happens in, of course, bel canto or Mozart, yeah. where it's più accompagnando. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, with tempi like Tosca. This is where the orchestra plays a little more of a pri primary role. So I can take charge and the singer has to kind of adapt. But when mm -hmm. it's bel canto, then I'm, I'm really at the mercy of good judgment of a singer. It's true. You know, it's a conversation and mm -hmm. I feel between a conductor and a singer, there's always, a, it's a conversation going on. Yes. And if you check out of the conversation, either the singer or the conductor or the orchestra, then mm -hmm. that conversation is, is over and you're yes. just kind of treading water. And true. is it different conducting orchestra, orchestral pieces, symphonies, as opposed to opera? And do you have oh, a preference? Very different. I like the balance. Mm -hmm. And you may have heard me say this, Carrie, it sounds like you've done your homework listening to some <laughs> interviews of mine. To maintain sanity, <laughs> I have to have at least half of my time symphonic. But there are two reasons. It's because of the repertoire. Yeah. Uh, Verdi didn't write symphonies. No. Um, Beethoven only wrote one opera. Uh, you know, the, the 
the fact that I love Mahler, he didn't write operas. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that I love Verdi, I, I can't perform it in symphonic concerts. So there's the repertoire, uh, Wagner. <laughs> if, you, if you want to perform Wagner, it has to be opera. Um, I'm being simple here, but um, what I what I love about opera is not just, of course, the voice, not of just, of course, the singing, but it's, it's embracing literature, history, mm -hmm. languages. Mm -hmm. It just, it, it made me such a more well-rounded person, musician, human being. It's theater, it's drama, it's history. So I feel, like I said, much, much more well-rounded as a conductor, but also it makes me technically a much better symphonic conductor because I'm used to breathing with singers. It's, it's, it's a technical thing yeah. to be flexible, but also just the breath and working with musicians. It's breathing with them. So it's yeah. not just with singers, breathing with orchestral musicians is, yeah. is vital. So it's, uh, I think it's essential. We shouldn't say, Opera or symphony no. is just, it's music. a package. Yes, music. music. Drama. <laughs> is more of a bigger problem, and you have said this, um, and I agree with you, it's a bigger problem here in the States, that separation. Yeah. Once, once you are in the opera world and you're primarily in the opera world, it's really hard to break into the symphonic world mm -hmm. and vice versa if you primarily mm -hmm. you know, symphonic work. So I was wondering, is that is that the same? Do you find that to be the same for you as a conductor, that it's harder to find. I mean, my niche went into opera and so it's harder for me to break into the symphonic world. Mm -hmm. Huh, interesting. Well, my career is basically in Europe okay. where they consider the most. So. Yeah, it's balance. But, how did, yeah. How did you get into opera? How, how was your, your passion for music, singing, opera, symphonic, how did it start? It started with a, an invitation. I, Carrie will know, I hated opera as a child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have a very musical family, half of which is quite operatic. And my father was a conductor of symphony. Um, I'll try not bore you because I've said this in so many interviews, but uh, to keep it fresh, um, I was on a, career path of symphonic conducting, not by choice, just because that's what I had done on my youth, et cetera. Um, and at Juilliard, we had focused on orchestral. I was very much into Beethoven, Mahler, all the symphonies. I went to the Dallas Symphony as an associate conductor. It was all symphonic. I was asked to do a concert in Europe with Jose Carreras, a gala concert in Rome at the Vatican. Um, and it, it went very well. And this wonderful producer, he said, would you like to work in Italy? Would you like in a, to do a Lucia in Verona? I said, of course I would. I couldn't sing you a tune at the time. I didn't know Lucia, Donizetti, maybe I'd heard a few of his operas. Literally, I was very, very uh, inexperienced and had never conducted an opera, never worked with a singer. And I went and I, wow. I did the gala with Carreras. It, it, it was, it felt natural. Okay. It didn't, it didn't feel foreign. The only thing that felt foreign was yes, 
dealing with singers. <laughs> and a, as a youngster, I mean, I was in Verona doing Lucia with singers who had sung it the role 10, 15, 20 years. And when they said, here was the, the first thing, when they said, maestra, maestro, how would you like the cadenza? And I thought, well, how do you Fun. like to sing it? How do you like to sing? What, what's, your, what's your interpretation there? They said, well, it was a duet. So they were both showing, well, well but you decide. I thought, okay. And so that there was the time that I, I realized, yes, this is, this is uh, you have to know so much in opera. It's not just about the score. It's not just about in bel canto. You have to know every single option for the very for the for the pardon, the the bel canto every single variation every single nuance everything so i learned that very quickly but wow. in the lion's den anyway from and languages it, too and yeah. of course languages. how how many do you speak not enough excuse me <laughs> more than two is a lot and you speak Seven, eight, five and a half. Five. And See, a half. not enough. Oh come on! <laughs> All right. Well, let. What are they? I mean, I, I know you speak Russian, French, English, right? Italian, of course. Okay. And German, and poquito español. <laughs> Bad español, because I I always you know I forgive myself. I speak Italian, so I can speak. I can get along in Spain. It's exactly <laughs> the no problem with. Spanish too. I think in Italian, oh. and then yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> Sometimes they look at you like, "What?" <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Except in Barcelona. Barcelona, they understand Italian, so you're like, okay. We're good to go. Yes. <laughs> Can we? I hate this word pivot. Mm. Oh, okay. Where are we going? Where Where are we going? <laughs> well, we're three strong women, you know, and you are in a career yes. dominated. Let's face it, by men. How has that been a challenge for you? And how have you persevered and gotten to the point where you are now, which is very successful? Thank you. I've never let it be part of my thought process. It's, okay. it's I've always felt what I wanted to do in life, I do. Mm -hmm. I was told as a child, whatever you want to do, is the world is yours. The world is your oyster. I was in Juilliard. I was a flutist. I thought there was a conducting program. I liked the maestro. I thought flute is boring. I would like to change into conducting. I took the audition. I got in. I spent four years conducting there. My teacher, who is this very German, old-fashioned Otto van Mueller, he would make comments like, for a woman, you're very good or something, or I have very few women. No, he, he didn't say for a woman, but he would say, he would he would say something, which I would just roll my eyes, you know, okay, whatever, get yeah. on to, let's talk about Beethoven. But he would he would make these silly go, you are very good. And he, she, she is my student, presenting like I'm something special. It, it, that, you know, it just turned me off, but it was okay, I adored him. And bless him, he's passed away. Um, so I went to the Dallas Symphony. I got the position immediately after Juilliard. Did I question it? Well, I'm a woman. How did I get a job so fast? No. See, okay. people 
as soon as I went to Dallas, the journalist always asked me, what's it like? You're a woman. And then when I went to Italy, una donna, una maestro. I had always, I was always asked so many questions about being a woman. And I, I just say, I don't know what it's like to be a woman conductor because I've never been a man conductor to make any comparison. I mean, it's, I do what I do, I do what I love and mm-hmm. nobody's stopping me. Uh, and I, here's the thing. I think that musicians, they judge you on your musicianship. Ultimately, the first five minutes of music making, then they're judging you on musicianship. Uh, you know, when you're walking on the podium, okay, something interesting. Maybe you know, we're not so used to seeing a woman on the podium, but and same with audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after, yes, just start making music. They're going to judge you on your musicianship, and not as <laughs> your sex or your skin color or yes. your beliefs. I know. I have to say that it is just that that these questions aren't asked of you because you're a woman or because of someone's skin color or religious background or whatever it is. My, my hope and prayer is that way, you know, hopefully eventually we won't have to ask these questions. But I, yeah. do, I do feel though that sometimes as a female, you're judged immediately. And especially in a role such as your job, because there are so few of you, there are more coming, but there are so few of you. So I just was curious if there had been instances in your career, career where you felt that you were um, judged or if you were, I can't think of the right word, or disrespected in a way because you were a female in charge of an orchestra, maybe in a community that is still very much male-centered and male-dominated, that they're more mm-hmm. powerful than we are or thought mm-hmm. that way. Well, there's never been anything offensive um, in that term. Um, but I've certainly, I'm not unaware of being sometimes uh, observed as being a woman. Uh, I'm trying to think of giving you an example. Sure, you can have a macho section who aren't uh, paying attention so much in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And if I stop and, and try and and establish my authority to try and get them to to calm down or something. Yeah. It's 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 a fine it's a fine line, I think, for women. How much you can tell them to, like a, a man would have no qualms whatsoever about saying "stai zitto" or mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I think women has to be a little more careful, but mm-hmm. that doesn't go so much against uh, my personality. I'm not one to say "stai zitto." Okay. Um, I, I, I like a polite approach. I like just to be myself. If I have to be forceful, it's very awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, but it's happened. It's happened and I don't feel good about it if I have to yell or scream. But, right. you know, I might you gotta, have... do, you gotta do. It's all about making music and getting the best interpretation and performance out of an orchestra. So if that's what it takes. Okay. I might have experienced one of those explosions. What's that? I might have experienced one of those. How bad was that? No, you were good. You were very good. You were very controlled. You were very authoritative. And you just said, listen, we're here to make music. But so authority, yeah. sorry. Authority, authority, I've never had a problem with. No. no. Yeah. I, I would Wow. Well, I'm the boss. That's, <laughs> there's no problem there. It's just how. It, it's, I, I, I'm always, I think before I do. So when it's a spontaneous thing, I have to, I've worked at it. How to, you know, 
it was the authoritarian but uh, authoritative excuse me but uh, and it's do a, it in a way that's effective yeah. so can you tell us what it actually feels like to be in charge of something you're in the middle of a show you are in charge of this whole ship moving forward and running and churning mm -hmm. And so what, I mean, I love to ask conductors that. I've gotten so many wonderful answers over the years. And um, I think one of my favorite was uh, an American Mack truck with the back bed that can um, sometimes, you know, swing from side to side and you're holding that steering wheel for dear life. Like we are gonna get to our destination. So I was just wondering what it felt like for you to have that power and that control over what is happening with everyone, I mean, from your position to backstage. What does it feel like? For me, it's all about being a conduit from the composer. I have, the second I'm starting to conduct, I'm out of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm totally driven by hopefully, <laughs> without being too distracted, of course there are always things that come up, but it's an engine of energy and passion and it's like being a muse for the composer. So I think that's that's something that's a gift, I think, for performance, because you're no longer nervous, you're no longer anxious. It's just this exhilarating feeling of performing. Mm -hmm. And of course, as a conductor, you're making it happen through these gestures. So it's an exhilarating feeling. And perhaps that's why certain conductors get carried away and have big egos because we have so much power, but that's, that's totally opposite. We are really coming from in, it's coming from inside. This, this is a miracle of life that we're yeah. speaking a language. We are the conduits. So that's a bit of a poetic <laughs> explanation <laughs> for you, but it, I really love, I miss performing so much uh, because my soul is singing. That's how I sing. Yeah. Okay. Love that. So being a conductor is very physical. Yeah. And I don't think people realize just how physical it can be. What do you do to stay in shape? Uh, do you have a routine? Do you have a workout routine? Do you have a pre-performance routine as well? I do. I'm the most boring routine person on the planet. I think I have such an agenda every day. I have to swim. I have to swim a half an hour. That was the only sacrifice I made in Paris because in quarantine, there was a pool only open two times a week. Oh. With a medical certificate, I was actually fortunate because of my job that I said, mm -hmm. please let me swim. So during quarantine in Paris, I had to make a huge sacrifice of not swimming each day. But otherwise I've swam half an hour each day, every day since I was about 20. Um, I also, I think I, uh, I'm kind of crazy. I also walk at least an hour a day if I'm not conducting. I'm always active. It, I always have to be moving, that's all I do. So um, I work out, I also do weights and I do arm strengthening on top of swimming. On top of swimming. Well, yeah. it's very physical. Because, I mean, you're, how yeah. many times do we hear conductors with shoulder and neck injuries? Yeah. You bad? And I don't have any. So perhaps that's a blessing. Yeah. yeah. 
Do you have any pre-show rituals? I mean, we singers, I love talking about nuts. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm pretty nuts. I I do crazy things. Like I sing, like like go jump jumping jacks. I sing anything just to get my adrenaline up. Okay. And on the other hand, I'll sit for two hours in a room with no score, silence, and think through the music. Okay. Okay. That kind of thing. Just I need total peace mm -hmm. or total chaos. I need both. It's strange, very strange. <laughs> but right that. before I perform jumping jacks and yeah, getting my blood going and then go out. <laughs> Do you always wear the same outfit? Do you always have um, a, you know, like a I like a suit or an armor? Sword and shield. Um, I, I've always worn Armani because they make such, he makes such beautifully cut suits mm -hmm. and they're feminine, cut, tailored to your body. So feminine, but not too feminine. I could never stand, uh, stand wearing a dress because okay. so I wear a dress off the podium. That's fine. I like to be glamorous and and I have a, a huge wardrobe at home. That was one good thing about quarantine. I could actually get through all my clothes. That's being oh, really isn't silly, it but... true? <laughs> isn't it true? I have so many clothes when I'm on the road. You know, you always buy stuff. You know, you girls. When you're on the road, you never, always, I never buy anything. You haven't packed enough. You haven't packed. Oh, there's a, or you go shopping. So we have accumulation and accumulation wardrobe at home. Oh, yeah. So anyway, when I'm conducting, here's the irony. When I pack for a week or a month of conducting, it's all black, basics, four pairs of pants, mm -hmm. 10 tops, couple of suits, it's all black. Boring, boring, boring. But the Armani has a special touch because it's very elegant. So. Yeah, and it fits you well. It really does. Yes. It's your personality, but also it fits you. The, the fit, the right. cut is really good. Right. So we, we interviewed Marilyn Horn. And she talked a lot about her frustration with co conductors that just play everything so loud. How do you get orchestras to really listen to the dynamics and follow the dynamics in both symphonic and orchestra and opera? Well, if you can't hear the singer, you're too loud. And no matter what house I'm in, if I can't hear the orchestra, excuse me, the singers, it's too loud. All the assistants behind me. Basically, if ever I say, are we too loud? And I know we are. <laughs> they'll say, yes. When I turn back and I think we're not too loud, are we too loud? No. And basically, so at the first rehearsal, I will get a sense of no longer needing to, to know. What basically is good about an assistant in the back is if we're loud enough, if you can get the detail of pizzicato mm. or the bowing, this enough string sound, that always is an issue. But yes, short answer. If you can't hear the singer, then they can't. And when they're too loud, I say, we're not listening. Or if you can't hear the singer, you're too loud. That's 
But that's hard in Wagnerian operas and, you know, and a lot of the German music that's so thick and lush. Now, that's when you depend on a really good house <laughs> because you are saved. I was just, I remember we were in playing up a storm in the Rigoletto, in the act two, uh, big moment of Rigoletto, Cortigiani. Uh, and I was so loud and I said, we're too loud, right? <laughs> No, the house, this Oslo, the Norway, Norwegian opera house, fantastic oh. acoustic. We could play as loud as we wanted. So wow. and we really are at the mercy of, of good acoustics. Okay. Wow. So talking, go, going back to singers again, what would you say are the most important traits for, mm. the, for our young singers out there? Most important traits that you as a conductor look for in us singers? And like <laughs> when they watch and when they listen to the orchestra and they watch the conductor or even in a piano rehearsal, first piano rehearsal, if the singer, even if they have their score as is professional to do, mm -hmm. they're still watching. And I don't mean necessarily I see their eyes. I don't know they're responding to what I'm doing. When a singer, if I'm conducting in a piano rehearsal, the first piano rehearsal, and they're not responding at all, I see it's it's not working. That's when I know it's it's going to be a tough a tough week or two, because a good singer naturally has that a collaborative mm -hmm. approach to music making. Mm -hmm. Most singers haven't been trained perhaps, or played in an orchestra or mm. made chamber music together. Mm -hmm. it, it will, again, as, if a singer is a musician, that's what it's all about. Singers, they're not just thinking about where they're placing things in their voice. They're coming with an instrument that is part of a body of instruments. And personality, I love it when even, I don't care if I have divas or crazy singers. I love that too. It's because they have something special to say. There's no doubt. Or they're insecure. We're all insecure. Sure. That's okay. As long as we can have a collaborative relationship. If we can discuss what's bothering you. If we can discuss maestro. That was way too much. The power of the more Pardon. And you know, if I can scream over the orchestra, it's like, I'm so sorry, we will do it again. You know, it's, it has to be this kind of friendly, it can't be conductor singer category. It, it, it's, life is too short. It's, yes. it's all about music. Yeah. It's just making Mozart, making Verdi, making Wagner. <sighs> Come on, we're all soldiers of music. Absolutely. And <laughs> I find when people can set their egos down, because there's lots of egos on stage, in the pit, on the podium. And it's amazing when everybody actually can set all of that aside and just make music together. So yes. it's always, you know, kind of like a triangle or a box between the first chairs and you and me on stage. And when that all comes together, it is really one of the most glorious moments, feelings, sensations, and the audience knows it, even if yep. they know nothing about what we know. They've never right. even been to a show before or experienced anything like this. 
they know it because it's just this wonderful magic and i don't know how to describe it is magic that's that is the description it's magic come back (laughs) they they think oh my gosh i don't know what i just heard or what i i don't understand what they were saying or whatever it is but it made me feel something and i i need to do that again and um Yeah. yeah i think it's chemistry it's really the chemistry of Great word. Yeah. The, what's going on in the team. Yeah. yeah. Right. So <laughs> future, was- the future oh, yeah. of opera. Oh my God. We have to talk about digital content. We have to talk about digital content. How do you feel about it in all of this singing online? And I hate it. Oh, amen. I love you. I hate it too. You know, girls, I have to tell you the day after. I'm sorry, I call you girls, ladies. No, no, we're girls. Thank you. We're girls. (laughs) My colleagues, respected colleagues. um, The day after we finished this, Carmen, we were aborted, left at the altar. Mm -hmm. Where was it going? Hold on. (laughs) Manuscript. Uh, Yeah, no, I did did an interview that night on live TV. Whoa. Uh, for France, France Info, France Info. Carrie, you missed that one. That was France Info. Yeah, because I have Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and it was funny because we had we had a poorly organized, uh, the producers of the show said to carve the car didn't arrive. And we arrived at the last minute. And oh, I was in the studio and I hadn't done my hair or makeup. So I was throwing on some makeup. And I just looked at the producers behind my back. I said, are you okay? I said, you know, I just want to conduct. <laughs> it's, you know, we, we're not, we're not meant to be social media stars. We're not meant, here I was doing all those things on social media because I felt, yes, I want to reach out to my friends and colleagues. Yeah. I didn't want to be, it also helped me. It was a healing thing mm-hmm. to, to communicate with you. Absolutely. But the sterility, the sterility, of preparing a text for a video, or I was doing these excerpts of Wagner at the piano. It's, it, yes, <laughs> you carry your face says it all. Mm-hmm. I would make those faces. <laughs> but it's sterility, it it perfect word. It's sterile, you're right. It's, sterile. it's not living, it's not breathing. Yeah. Like, like we know how making music, all three of us is. It's. And it, I have to feel you. I have to have your breath. I have to have, it's, it was amazing. You know, I think forward. Well, um, one word, vaccine. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I go, right. Somebody, I told him I was going, somebody in the medical field, he said, uh, I told him I was going to Salzburg. He said, have you been vaccinated? I said, no, I'm not old enough. And she said, oh. you know, we're putting ourselves at risk. Yeah. It's things will get back to normal when we can all be vaccinated and freely hug each other oh, and sing God. in front of each other. I know. I, hope- I think that's the easy answer. Um, but the hard answer is we're dependent on the financial support of everybody the governments, if we're in Europe, supporters, audiences, and we have to all push for culture to be at the forefront of what's going forward because we are left so far behind right now, as we all know. I mean, it's a train wreck. 
it's it's just left so many uh, not just musicians artists uh, in the united states around the world uh, left hanging and you know without art i don't see culture and society moving forward right that's right and it brings a, a very very bad place in history of of civilization of western society Mm -hmm. um well i really appreciated you being very honest during the pandemic and calling it out like it is that all of us in north america were are were jealous of when european yes um, and i just when i read that i was like yes that's why i like you oh i <laughs> You know, because it's the truth, because I've watched, you know, my friends or the five Americans that flew over there in June, you know, right. luckily they flew over there yes. and, and they were able to work and you're, and I mean, listen, Sandra and I have been friends for a really long time. And as much as I love her, I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> I know. And you know, I, when I was about to fly to Paris, I wrote Sandra, I said, please tell me how you protect yourself in the oh, airport. Yeah. And body I was condom. advice. Body condom. Diva's body condom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you that one, but no, I'm supposed to leave on Sunday. She is again. For okay, we'll, we'll compare notes. I'm leaving next Thursday. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll cooperate there. How they are taking care of you in a way that we can't afford to take care of, in my no. opinion, that the no. opportunities here can't afford to take care of everyone. Right. It's, different situation even when Sandra was talking about Madrid and Madrid versus Barcelona versus whatever um what they can afford to do and what the government has given them is so way more than what we have access to over here we don't even have access to tests as a general population no. that they do over there so exactly. it's um, it's it's frightening and horrifying and I feel like we're gonna look at there's gonna be such devastation that so many artists and we're, we have lost so much talent when we all come out of this because I don't know how many people are actually going to be able to hold on until we can come back. That's yeah. the heartbreaking thing to me. What are yes. we missing? What young singers? What, you know, what, what know. young singers? I think, I think all levels Everybody. of singers, musicians. It's all levels. All yeah. levels. It really is. It is. Top to bottom. I mean, it, it has leveled our field, our, the artistic world completely everyone's everyone is equal now because no one's working oh, so nice. i was at my throat doctor yesterday uh, here in toronto the speech pathologist and and he was i was i drove by the canadian opera company going there i didn't even tell carrie about this and seeing all the lights off in the oh, coc yeah. was just i started crying in the car and aaron lowe the speech pathologist he said well, you know what? He said, all those young artists used to come to me, but they're not coming to me anymore because A, they can't afford it. B, they're not singing. And, you know, for instance, one of the guys that I knew, he's driving trucks now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I hope, I hope we all hope that 2021 is Comes going to back be with a roar. Yeah. In September. Yeah. Let's yeah, well. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, we quick do some rapid fire because I know you have you have to go and celebrate tonight. What is rapid fire? Ooh, quick questions, quick answers. Ding ding ding. Yep, you're good at this. So I'm gonna start it. What's the worst gift that you've been ever given by your spouse? 
She's like, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. It was a mm. no. We will skip something beautiful. One. It was something beautiful, but in green. I don't like green. Okay. Everyone <laughs> in the world don't give her anything ever green. <laughs> <laughs> that is just a silly answer. I'm sorry. It's okay. We could just say, what's the worst gift you've ever been given? Right. The green thing. Oh, anything in green? Yeah. Worst color ever is green for you. <laughs> That's one of them, I suppose. Okay. What's the worst habit that you will never break? Ooh, Being obnoxious to my family members. <laughs> this is not to us singers. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. Uh, biggest pet peeve. Oh, singers, singers who aren't prepared. Yes. Yeah. I always I feel guilty admitting that because there have been moments in my career where I am really just like memorizing as I'm walking to rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, Carrie. You know, whatever the schedule is, but I totally agree with you because it really annoys the crap out of me when whoever in the room is not prepared. We're just like, let's go people, let's get this done. But Or I on stage, mouthing the words to them. Oh, I do that all the time. Praise Jesus for that because no matter how many times I've sung something, I still forget words. And I'm, I don't know why that is in my dyslexic brain, but I'm always, I'm glad you do that, Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With pleasure. Um, what advice would you give to a younger you? Put all the Boeings in the parts <laughs> that you have, no, this is serious. When you have time as a younger conductor, you should be putting all the Boeings that you've had connections with, with orchestras, all the information that you have learned uh, in a performance, in rehearsal process, so that when you do it next, you have that experience, it's in the score. Boeings for me are an obsession. And I'm always questioning what kind of, this is for singers, I'm sure is like, anyway, that is something as, as a, conductor for me it's an obsession so I regret not having several Boeings in my scores like Brahms symphonies from Otto Werner Mueller or from Claudio Bado some smaller Boeings so that uh, I have to it takes great energy and research to get those back okay. it's time consuming too yes so the advice to myself <laughs> when I was younger perhaps I could have used my time a little better rather than partying in New York City partying in New York City I somehow don't but think then I would have lost my youth, right? Right. <laughs> Everybody needs to party in New York City once in their life. I mean, bingo. No, no, no. I did it plenty. It's fine. Good. Favorite word. <laughs> What's your favorite word? Favorite word? Yeah, in any language. Words. Favorite right. word. Inspiration. It's so beautiful, no? Yeah, it is. It kind of flows very nice. Yes. And it's difficult. Vdach Navenya. Vdach Navenya. It's VD. Vdach Navenya. Vdach Navenya. I have to move my hands when I do that. Is that Russian? 
that's Russian for inspiration. Cool. And least favorite word? Well, the one I use all the time would be Scheiße. Well. When I don't like something. Okay, well, is that your favorite cuss word? Yes. Best beauty tip. How about that? Yeah, best beauty tip. Best beauty tip. Well, I'm sure you would appreciate it. It's um, waterproof eyeliner and mascara. Because <laughs> when I conduct, when I didn't have waterproof mascara, I would get off a Bruckner 4. <laughs> I'll never forget. I had literally looked like a raccoon because it's so emotional and there's a lot of sweat when you conduct. Yep. So as a female conductor, I would categorically say, I I make a waterproof. Very good. Last one? <laughs> Last one. Okay. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say as you walk through the pearly gates? This is a continuation of your life. Beautiful. Well put. Thank you very much. That's Thank rapid fire. So oh, Thank Look, you very much. Take Look, care. I, I just want to thank you both so much. I've watched a few of your excerpts of your shows and you are so funny and so enthusiastic and so lovely and charming. Oh. And I'm honored to be on your show and please don't ham it up from like, oh, she's so great because I'm not. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> Just keep it low, <laughs> low profile. We think and, you're and great. I, and I, I want to work with you both so much. I know. I happen. hope we have to plan it. We have to make it happen. I know. Okay. I think the world of you two. Ah, uh, thanks. You. And Thank you too. You so much. Happy All New right. Year. And I can't wait. Happy to New Year. Yes. Happy, All as they say in Russian, Oh, you there. It means happy new year and happy new happiness. Ooh. Happy new year and new happiness. Ah, that's, <laughs> anyway, that's so. a great phrase. That's, and that's today, right? That's actually today is which is Christmas. <laughs> Next week is Russian new year. So. Okay. But you can say it there. We <laughs> Russians, Ukrainians celebrate both. Orthodox and non-Orthodox. Oh, well, take care. Yes, we give you big hugs. I'm talking too much. Thank you no, no, so no, much okay. again. Good luck. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>